Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right. We are back. With episode 10. Oh boy. Of <laughs> Welcome to Prime Time, a Freddy's Nightmares retrospective. And uh, it's weird because we record these shows in advance, sometimes a lot in advance. That way, life doesn't get in the way of the program. Obviously. I mentioned last week how the average podcast, did, did we talk about that yeah, on the air? We did. Yeah, the yeah. average podcast lasts seven or eight episodes, episodes. and we're at 10. <laughs> But it took us like two or three weeks to sit down for number 10. So we, kids, we could have pod faded. It really could have happened. <laughs> now, <you> know? <laughs> now we're almost halfway through the first season already. Well, but calm, <laughs> calm your, your breasts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I was actually worried, Dave, because you, because mostly it was you mm-hmm. that needed some time here or there for whatever. Yeah. And I was like, man, are we going to have to get to the point where I have you come over to do a show? But instead of instead of like ending the show normally, I have you go up to the upstairs into the bedroom like in Family Matters and you just never come back down. (laughs) (laughs) Podcasting forever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I just be like, oh, man, my uh, my new friend is stopping by. And he's just like, hey, what's up? And then he does exactly your job. Uh, Uh, But better because he's not you. You can't replace me. I. I mean, to be honest, I'm mad about there being one in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in Freddy's Nightmares logic, uh, the way you would replace me would be like making it like a Dave Tron or something. And it would just like spiral out of control. That literally sounds like the worst possible scenario (laughs) that there is. The Dave Tron. Well, anyway, tonight's episode is season one, episode 10, The Bride Wore Red. Yes, it is. And uh, I don't want to count my Freddies before I ha- before they hatch, <laughs> but uh, this one was um, interesting. <laughs> this one was one of the more far out ones yeah, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. So yeah. <laughs> uh, original air date for this episode is December 17th, 1988. It's directed by George uh, Kazander. He was known mainly for dramas in the 70s. He did one called The Girl in Blue in 73 with uh, Maude Adams, uh, famous for like the Bond films. Uh, did another one in 78 called In Praise of Older Women. And his most famous is one from 1980 called The Agency. Then he basically did TV movies in the 90s. Like he did a lot of really interesting titles that like uh, one was like Betrayal to Kill. And uh, oh, well, I mean, that's like as 90s television engage and stuff like that. 
stripped to hunt. Uh, you just just keep you just throw darts at the exactly at the board. And uh, then it was written by Howard Lakin. He was known for thirteen episodes of Falcon Crest, twenty four episodes of Dallas, and he's actually gonna return to the show in four episodes for episode fourteen, Black Tickets, featuring Brad Pitt. Spoiler alert: <laughs> a million percent. So he will be back with us shortly. But uh, yeah, this episode is is something, and we're gonna get into it right now and remember because uh, we don't mention this every episode but maybe we should it's always in the show notes but the entire freddy's nightmares as of the time we're recording this is available on, on tubi, tubi for free yes with commercials so if you want to watch along you, you're welcome to pause this and uh open that up but before we jump fully into the story yes sir uh, it's december yes it is and i could have sworn you were gonna give some uh horror recommendations yes. for for december you are correct so uh oh you we, look, the look on your face is i did not actually prepare it was more so i didn't get the dates down but the titles are fine that's all that matters Uh oh. so um one of which that i do want to recommend so henrik and i discussed that uh, we wanted to throw out some horror recommendations with the time because we are big holiday horror fans yes and yes. one of which that i do want to throw out a shout out to is a, one of our personal favorites was just released on a beautiful blu-ray called don't open till christmas oh you want to start with I'm don't open Start with Don't Open Till Christmas. Well, Don't Open Till Christmas is the perfect option because (laughs) it's been public domain in the United States for like 30 years. So it's, I'm amazed, you know, I'm amazed they didn't, um, replace it's a wonderful life with don't open, don't till, open christmas till christmas because it's public domain you know <laughs> instead of uh, every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings it's just a guy dressed as santa stabbing a woman, stabbing in, the a woman in the tits yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's the same movie so the story of don't open till christmas is uh we we have a uh, london um i guess i don't even know like 80s i, I guess you would say it is the 80s yeah, in and, the 80s but but what do you mean by story <laughs> So he brings up a good point because um, basically the key plot of Don't Open Till Christmas that we are set to believe in the first 20 minutes is there is a killer that is killing anyone dressed as Santa Claus. Right. And, and that includes like women doing raunchy photo, photo shoots. shoots, wearing a Santa jacket and a hat. There is one of the greatest moments in that film. Uh, that's the film that has the Santa lineup, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene with a Santa lineup in a police t- station yeah. where, where they have all these people dressed as Santa going, ho, 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 and they're pick, trying to figure out who's <laughs> who's doing it. So I don't want us to go on this forever. Yeah. But Don't Open Till Christmas is a phenomenal recommendation. Oh, it's it's crazy. And I'm mad at you because you basically stole one of my all-time favorites. Oh, did I? Yeah, so I'm going to slap another all-time favorite. Okay. We're going to go we're going to go all 80s all or right. 70s 80s this time around. All right. My recommendation, of course, is the immortal classic Christmas Eve. Oh, hell yes. Also known as Better Watch Out. Better Watch Out, which is a great film that I'll pro- I'm probably going to talk about that next week. But I highly recommend Christmas Evil. It's not much of a horror film. It's much more of a character study that's really well done. Yeah. It's artsy without being fartsy. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Again, it's technically sort of in the public domain. So it's kind of everywhere to rent or watch for relatively free. So I would highly recommend you want to get into the Christmas spirit, but you want to keep the horror thing going. Yeah. I'm going to say Christmas Evil. Dave is going to say don't open till Christmas. <laughs> and next week we'll have another recommendation from each of us oh hell yes so uh christmas evil to give you the quickest rundown ever because i i I'm, i don't have anything written down so i'm <laughs> losing my train of thought it's all good is is about a man who 
instead of wanting to kill Santa Claus, he absolutely adores Santa Claus and wants to be Santa yes, Claus. Yes, he does. And the funny thing, the reason I don't consider this movie a straight out horror movie is when he starts killing yeah. people, the few people he does kill, because it's not a slasher movie. No. He's killing them because that's what Santa would do yeah. because he's punishing them for being bad. Yep. But he also gives wonderful gifts to children. He delivers <laughs> a truckload of gifts to an, or, uh, it was not an orphanage. It was a children's, like a children's hospital. hospital yeah. yeah. He delivers a truckload of gifts to a, a children's hospital. So he's doing the good thing. Yeah. And somebody pointed out to me, um, the podcast I love to listen to, Junk Food Cinema, they pointed out recently, uh, last year in an episode they did on Christmas Evil, that it kind of has the beats of a superhero movie. And if you go back yeah. and watch it, it totally does. <laughs> no, it does. So basically, he just wants to become Santa Claus so that Santa can be real in the world. Yeah. Great movie. Anyway, now it's time to move on from Ho Ho Holidays to uh, <laughs> Mama Marriage. Here we As go. We, yes, so uh, The Bride Wore Red. So we are over. Opening up with soon-to-be newlyweds Gavin, who is played by Eddie Driscoll. Um, he comes to Freddy's Nightmares with this being his second acting credit. Goes on to be in Not of That Earth, the 95 version. Not of This Earth. Or Not of This Earth, the 95 the, version. The Showtime, the yes. made-for-TV Showtime one. He yep. also has an uncredited role in The Pest from 1997. Well, hold on. <laughs> there was an option to not be credited on that movie? A lot of people must have taken... I love The Pest. Farting Dracula. <laughs> well... Well, first of all, I love Jean Leguizamo because, you know, there's a law. Hispanics have to like other Hispanics. It doesn't it doesn't matter what they do. Like like George Lopez, like literally by law, if you're like, he's not that funny. I have to stab you. (laughs) That seems like that's by law. That's a law. I think that's a lot to go for. I think so. Stab you. That's and, on the books. And not like in the arm or the leg, like in the ribs. Oh, man. You know, like you're going to have to go to a hospital for real. Well, lucky for you, I love George Lopez, so there's that. Thank God. <laughs> I don't even have a good knife. So he is dressed uh, in a tux, standing in front of a red curtain, addressing an unseen audience about his soon-to-be marriage, uh, asking, is this the end of freedom as we know it? Calling his marriage Holy Padlock, which now, I loved. <laughs> Holy Padlock is, is pretty great. Uh, I have to say... <laughs> This guy's opening monologue pretty on point. Oh, yeah. Well, what I loved, like, the the, the initial opening of it, like, it felt, because I've been watching uh, Tales from the Crypt, and it felt like a Tales from the Crypt episode with, like, the, the music going on and just the red lighting and everything. Well, Tales from the Crypt always has this, and I'm going to bring it up later, but, like, a zaniness. Yeah. And this episode is just, I actually, in my notes, eventually I say, okay, this is downright zany. Yeah, It no. gets very zany. So, 100%. So, he's saying all this stuff. Basically, he's making... Uh, jokes, jokes about how awful marriage is to his bride to be. Yeah. It seems like he's doing that thing, you know, he's deflecting with humor. He's nervous about getting married, so he's making all these jokes. Yeah. And That's the way it comes across. He just, he keeps going on, and then he unveils his bride to be, who is uh, Jessica, played by Diane Franklin, known, of course, for Amityville 2, The Possession. She was Monique and Better Off Dead. Yes. Princess Joanna and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which actually comes directly after this. That's so awesome. Now, Diane Franklin's awesome. Yeah, she is, and she's awesome in this, too. So, uh, right before uh, he unveils her, he basically uh, asks, you know, am I doing she comes out and she's dressed in her wedding gown and he asks can we live happily ever after or am I dicing with doom is what he basically says and uh, his wife Jessica is not amused by this and basically ask him you know are you sure you want to do this and you know what, what? What? What if we're making a mistake? And Gavin makes the comment, "Well, we still have ten payments left on the engagement ring, so we can't say yeah, we no now." Go it. Now, I want to point out. First of all, that's a very good deal on uh, <laughs> on financing that work that wedding <laughs> ring. But no, uh, 
I want to point out. So he's standing there with this bright, gaudy red light yeah. all over him. And the reason he was doing it is they were, in her words, they were they were trying to preview how things will look on yeah. the wedding day. She said, uh, she said, he says, well, it was your idea to, to videotape or, or yeah, record so the, what yeah, it looks the, the playback like or, whatever. or whatever. And yeah. all I was thinking was like, so you went with like bright red lights for your wedding. I mean, that's. <laughs> But then that made me have a much scarier thought as I was thinking about the gaudy, gaudy colored lights. I was like, oh, God, what if you were marrying Dario Argento? Oh, jeez. Oh, don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so Jessica's not amused. She calls Gavin a major league mistake. Gavin reminds her that she's the one who wanted to rehearse. And Jessica insists that he be honest about going through the marriage and say now if they don't want to go through with it. He reassures her, tells her he loves her. And then the doorbell suddenly rings as Gavin's best men enter, played by Phil Lewis and Jamie Gomez. Phil Lewis is known, of course, uh, as Dennis and Heathers. He was Steve Jessup in City Slickers, which he has one of my favorite lines in that movie where it's, uh, yes, we're black and we're dentists. Let's not make anything of it. (laughs) Oh, man, I need to review that. And he's mostly uh, notably known as uh, playing Mosby on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, the Disney Channel show. Um, And then you have Jamie Gomez. He was known for Dolly Dearest, American Me, Crimson Tide. Dude's resume was, was stacked with titles. And, like, he didn't have, like, you know, Officer One. Like, he had legit names on these. So he was characters. Well, I think it's important that we had a Dolly Dearest alumni. Right. Exactly. Oh, there's some alumni in this we'll get to. This <laughs> this is a you episode that we'll get to a character oh, oh, on. A me episode. Uh-huh. What are you saying about my willingness to commit? <laughs> a lot. There's a lot to say. <laughs> so they enter, telling him they're ready to go to the bachelor party. Uh, comment on Jessica's dress, calling it a virgin costume, which offends Jessica, of course. She tells Gavin to enjoy the bachelor party as they leave. And we cut to the bachelor party taking place in a bar called Ball and Chain. <laughs> oh, yes. And I got to say, all right, kids, time for a Springwood bachelor party. If I've learned anything at all from watching the previous nine episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, it's that Freddy will be every stripper. <laughs> oh, my God. Why didn't we get that? I guess Freddy was like, like, uh, it's too obvious to, like, give boners in this episode. At least we get a very treated Freddy appearance here shortly. So <laughs> we're in the ball and chain. Gavin's friends are encouraging him to have a one night stand. But Gavin is cold to the idea yeah, because he's so young getting married yeah, at 22. 22. If this guy is 22, you can butter my ass That's and call me I, a business. I, I was like 22. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, no. He is not 22. He is. He is a, like he's like a 1980s 33 yeah easily and like what i love too is uh phil phil lewis's character is like you know just just call it what it is like you know you're a trucker and it's the last gas stop for 200 miles is what he's basically saying to call the one night stand so the bachelor party crew begin to pound shots with multiple single ladies dancing around them and and i gotta say springwood's nightlife is pretty kicking it's interesting thanks thanks to (laughs) freddy's nightmares and the films we know that they have a surprisingly large gay leather bar. Uh, yeah. And apparently just like a happening spot full of hot ladies who are looking to meet a nice man because their last one died in a sleep or something. Suddenly, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever. And what I loved about the ball and chain is, did you see the freaking uh, chain leak fence just in the bar? (laughs) That's called decorum. (laughs) 
David, you would uh, you would understand it if you literally went anywhere but Cracker Barrel. I also want to point out, oh, fuck you, by the way, Cracker Barrel's delicious. <laughs> well, I didn't say it wasn't good. I just said it was the only place you go. But I wanted to point out, too, that like while they're pounding shots, they're cutting away to other patrons drinking. Did you see the one chick drinking the Bloody Mary that's so wilted that like the celery is like hanging off of the glass? Yeah, I imagine that uh, prop sat in some fluorescent lighting for quite a while so they're pounding shots and gavin tells his friends that he's nervous uh, that he thinks jess is nervous due to her parents marriage and gavin comments that maybe 22 is too young his friends joke about and say that it is but they toast him at more shots and gavin pipes up saying you know what i'm gonna do the one night stand before passing out f- and drunk on the table <laughs> just falls which, flat on it which is usually a dave move hey now what and then we are treated to quite possibly one of the best freddy appearances uh top top freddy appearances this season so far we <laughs> we cut to a turntable <laughs> As a familiar pair of burnt hands fall into frame, we're treated to DJ Freddy with his glasses on and his headphones who states, it's time for our boy to face the music with Rap Master Freddy. And he's scratching, scratching. with his glove. Yes, he is. He's scratching the record with his, with his goddamn glove, kids. And the best part is he's like, it's so goofy. And all I could think of it was DJ Fred D. <laughs> I loved it when I texted you last night and all I said was two words, DJ Freddy. And you're like, don't fucking spoil yeah, another I was word. It like an hour later than you were. <laughs> and you just love to ruin everything. Uh, but I will say. Yeah. It, to me, it doesn't seem like Freddy would be DJing in a place like that. I feel like he'd be more at home at like a skating rink. I was kind of <laughs> waiting for him to be a bartender, to be honest. <laughs> what will it be? <laughs> no, no, not no. He would he would much rather service a place where the clientele can go down to about four years old. Jesus. What? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. The child molester murderer <sighs> is that. So we cut back to Gavin, who's still inside the ball and chain, trying to score with a woman who shoots him down, stating she doesn't do it with married men. Gavin replies he's not married yet and then she brands him with a hand stamp that says married Married. and tells her to go find her friend JJ she does guys like him yes (laughs) so then he wanders off the dance floor and comes to a line of guys where he's handed a number and a bunch of guys are facing this area that's roped off with a bouncer one guy exits and then Jessica his fiance emerges from the curtain stating next (laughs) yes and I have to say because it's literally a number taker like at a butcher shop yeah if they're taking numbers, why are they in a line? It doesn't make any sense. What I'm trying to say is, this is the most unrealistic part of this show. Entirely. This episode especially. And she should really get some of those buzzers like they use at Applebee's. At Applebee's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Gavin is angered and he says, Suit 2 can play that game. He returns to the woman who, um, stating that she set him up. Suddenly the woman turns around and is revealed to be Jess who states, Hey, last gas for 200 miles, mocking his previous conversation with his pals. Gavin is shocked. He begins to walk backwards and then the rest of the bar is revealed to be women that are wearing masks that kind of look like Jess a little a little bit yeah. they are they're Slauson like that's all I could think was just a room full of Slauson the, the, the guy from Tourist Trap <laughs> yes. for those who are uninitiated that is correct so Say hi to my friend Gavin oh. tries to leave the ball and chain but he's stopped by his buddies and they tell him he can't leave yet and they put him into a chair in the middle of the what? floor did you notice that they were wearing black armbands yes. like it was a funeral yes like, like a memorial and they have white tuxes now too which I loved <laughs> 
<laughs> so, Some solid symbolism. Phil Lewis's character introduces the stripper from hell, commenting it's his last night as a single man, and the woman's stimulating talents have been known to raise the World Trade Center two stories. Yeah, I actually didn't touch that one because it was too obvious for me. Yeah, so we'll move past that and uh, introduce <laughs> the stripper, who is played by Michelle Pock. Uh, she goes on to do Quantum Leap, The Golden Girls, and did a shit ton of Law & Order on her resume, too. Uh, she emerges from a cloud of smoke in the back to a very sexy drum beat, might I add. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, begins, <laughs> <Casio> to sit, <laughs> begins to sit on Gavin, who comments he's getting uncomfortable. The stripper then claps her hand and has Gavin move to an Iron Maiden by his buddies, telling the crowd the real bachelor party is about to begin. Now, at some point, they made a reference to him joining the Disease of the Month Club. That's coming up. That was coming Okay, because yeah. I, I just wanted to mention that because I feel like they're stealing, like, uh, yeah. you were a part of that in college, right? <laughs> No, no, we'll get to the stripper roasting him while she strip teases. I didn't appreciate how many of those things applied to me, by the way. <laughs> Continue, please. The stripper asks the crowd, what should we strip off first? And then states, poor Gavin's delusions. She begins to roast Gavin about commenting his fear, but states it's actually fear of intimacy and responsibility that he's afraid of. The crowd goes along to boo him as she continues roasting him about his inability to commit adultery. And then she continues to strip more and strips all the way to the point to reveal lingerie and states that he's afraid uh, she'll become her mother, want children before him, spend his money and get fat, and then ends with calling marriage the slow treadmill to death and tells him he better land to stand up to his fears before his friends then push the Iron Maiden closed. <laughs> and I love that her argument against him is, you're so lame you can't commit. Yeah. And also, you're so lame you can't cheat. You can't cheat. It's like, well, <laughs> what the... What the fuck? Like, what do you want? What do you want from him? Then? Which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to prime time. We'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> we're back now, bitch. And uh, we also forgot to mention that the Iron Maiden is decked out like a groom, like a, like a uh, groom. Yeah, it looks like like a, to me it looked. It, I don't think this is what they were trying to do, but it looked like a like a groom designed 
like Russian nesting yeah, doll. Yeah, no, it totally it did. Yeah, weird. It, it yeah. did look like a nesting doll. So they push the uh, they push it closed, and uh, Gavin awakes to him being back at home. He's hung over on the couch, and Jess is standing in front of him, commenting that he looks like death warmed over. Jess is dressed in a nightie, asking Gavin if she likes the surprise that she got for their honeymoon. Gavin then asks, "How do you get there?" And she comments that your best man dumped you on the on the curb and then rang the doorbell and ran. Well, not on the curb, on the, <laughs> or doorstep. On the doorstep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, that's literally how I've dropped you off like every time I've ever given you a ride anywhere. Not on your doorstep. Just, no, no, just somebody's. Just one. Just somebody's. One far enough away from where you live that it's funny. <laughs> so well, g- but, <laughs> but I just... <laughs> I just wanted to mention that I love how in a town where Freddy Krueger kills basically everyone, yeah. marriage is still very scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to mention Also, that. for the record, if there is this much doubt when we are a day away from the wedding, I don't think the marriage is going to be successful. <laughs> well, no. Now, well, you've only been married six or seven times, uh, eight. right? Eight. 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 Are you counting the ones in Jamaica? <laughs> We don't talk about those. Oh, no, no. Okay. But we, but you do talk about the ones in Haiti. So anyway, oh boy, she asked him uh, if, again, if he wants to think hard about the marriage and Gavin reassures her that he wants to spend the rest of her life with her and everything's going to be okay. And we cut then to the church where everyone's gathering up for the wedding. Gavin is walking with Jess's father, played by Mr. Uh, or named Mr. Jordan, who's played by Arthur Roberts and Henrik. He is known for Up in Smoke. Chopping Mall, he played Mr. Todd. <laughs> Not of this earth original and remake. What? And he's in Revenge of the Ninja from Canon. So hold on. <laughs> so he's in Chopping Mall. Great. Yeah. Jim Minorsky movie I love. Yeah. He's in the original Not of This Earth and the Jim Minorsky Not of This yes. Earth. Which I'm a big fan of. I have an original one sheet for both Chopping Mall and Not of This Earth in my office. <laughs> Behind you right now. <laughs> right this second. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Transylvania Twist. Oh, well, so, yeah, so... He's, he's a Wynorski guy. Like, well, his resume was filled with well, it. Well, it sounds like he was a Corman guy who became a Wynorski yeah. guy. Because there were certain guys like Dick Miller and stuff that, yeah. you know, they like Joe Dante, Jim Wynorski, all those people loved him. Yeah. Because he was in all those Corman movies and back And he in the has day. one of those faces where it's like, once he came on screen, I was like, I've seen this guy somewhere. And then when I pulled up his resume, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, okay. it totally is. So he tells Gavin, whether he likes it or not, that he's now the VIP of marketing and VP. getting a 20... Oh, yeah, VP VIP. of marketing. VIP. That's what I wrote. Sorry. It's you're sad. VP of marketing and getting a $20,000 raise. Gavin argues saying he's not ready, perhaps in a couple years. And Mr. Jordan pipes up telling him he doesn't like him, but he's content with him versus Jessica's usual, usual parade of morons. And then he says like, no daughter, because he says like, well, I need some more time. He's like, no daughter of mine is dating some guy who just works on the bullpen. Yeah. bullpen. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say, I'm so happy. Another super rich Springwood reg- resident that makes me wonder what do they do for money? <laughs> There are so many obscenely wealthy people in this small Ohio town, and I want to know what the industry du jour is. I think we all do at this point, <laughs> and I think we're going to get well, more questions. And, and I know, I know, it's like, it's like you're taking Freddy's Nightmares too seriously. What, how, how can you not take a show like this seriously? Exactly. It's important. But no, one of my favorite things about develop about shows like this where they build and build and build on top of each other is you end up with like if you tried to make continuity out of it it doesn't make any sense nope it's i mean like every show has that simpsons has that Uh, i mean you know so the idea that like oh so they have a 
Olympic size skating rink and a giant high school. And, you know, like it just it doesn't actually Full make sense. radio station, complete medical school, a complete stuff. medical school. Yeah. And, and an airport. But we'll get to that. Oh, boy. So shall we? OK, so Mr. Jordan or uh, Mr. Jordan asked Gav or excuse me. Back up a little bit. Gavin then catches a woman walking towards the church, also dressed in red. She catches his eyes, too, and stares at him. Mr. Jordan asks Gavin why couldn't they elope since he's missing a golf game, and Gavin comments that Jessica, uh, he thought Jessica would be happy to walk her down the aisle. And what a dick. <laughs> why do you have to get married to interrupt my golf game? It's like, well, first of all, do you book your golf games like 11 months in advance? Because most weddings are a minimum six months out. Yeah. I mean, Worst case scenario, this wedding's what three months out, probably. If that, yeah. So he's like, "Oh, I had to skip a golf game." It's like weddings are like way in advance. I, I, I just, I guess, like, what and what, like, do you usually have weddings on like a Friday or a sat, or, or usually have golf games on a Friday, Friday or Saturday? Because yeah. it's like I play with you know the the. I don't the general uh, <laughs> uh, motors guy. Uh, fucking, You're I, uh, fine. he was just so hateful. Oh, he was. No, he he was he was so angry. So we also meet Mrs. Jordan, who's played by Margaret Trin. Um, she didn't have a lot of resume, but she was in Valley of the Dolls. Uh, did some stuff on Barnaby Jones along with Knott's Landing, and she's commenting that Jessica's waiting on them. They have to go. And then Gavin looks back and sees Red, who is played by Catherine Moffat. Yes, and she um, was known for Quincy M.E., Dukes of Hazard, and my favorite credit, Spy Hard. She was in Spy Hard? Agent Moffat is her name on the credits. So <laughs> Spy Hard indeed. Just so, talking about those those Leslie Nielsen oh, movies. So good. Because yeah, uh because you have the lethal or not the lethal weapon. Uh, uh Fugitive, the wrongfully accused. Well, but but before that you have Oh, Naked Gun. The, Naked Gun is yeah. the original series. Police that, Squad, that, yeah. Yeah, and then they move on to uh, Spy Hard, Spy and Hard, Wrongfully, wrongfully Accused. accused. Uh, I think he even did that 2001 Space Travesty. That I, oh, I've, I've never seen that one. I've seen bits and pieces of it. He used to play Comedy Central a lot. So <laughs> he sees Red, and she blows him a kiss before heading into the church. The wedding ceremony begins as Jess and her father walk up the aisle to Gavin. The minister played by Jake Jacobs, who I could only find one credit worth noting. He's a dinner guest in part five of, uh, of, of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So he's probably Ooh. at the table when What's-Her-Face gets to eat herself. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 scene is so Greta's scene it's is heinous. so is so vile. I want to mention small ceremony. Yeah, uh, I guess most of their friends died in their sleep or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's the answer for everything. Well, in Springwood, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so they go through the ceremony, and uh, Gavin sees that Red is sitting like basically in the front pew, staring up at him and grinning. The couple are married now and emerge from the church to be embraced by the crowd. Gavin then catches sight of a prison bus with a just married. <laughs> sign hanging off of it except he turns back to it and realizes that it's actually the limousine and he was just basically night dreaming day day marrying what do we call it? <laughs> There's lots of good options. So uh, they're they're married now, and uh, they go into the they go past the limousine. Red walks into frame and stares back at Gavin. We're now at the reception, and the couple are cutting their cake and licking the icing off the bride and groom figures. Gavin suddenly feels pain though as he picks up the groom figure, and it's the mocked up Iron Maiden that was in the uh, ball and chain bar. Yeah, and I gotta say, you know, the groom figurine being full of sharp spikes sounds like you got that on Wish. <laughs> And I want to mention the lady in red. Yeah. When she appears and she has the hat and she's all like spread out. I was, I was thinking, I was like, I've seen her somewhere before. And then I realized that's Carmen San Diego. She was hiding in Springwood <laughs> the entire time. 
<laughs> I knew it. That makes all the sense now. Oh man, we got we got to call somebody. I don't know who, but somebody. <laughs> I've got theories. I'm calling. I'm going to start calling colleges. <laughs> so we cut back to Gavin and Jess living the married life. As Gavin comments, they haven't had sex in two weeks, and Jess um, doesn't believe that until Gavin says, "Well, actually, it's been 15 days and 11 hours." <laughs> Jess then tells him that they have to find room in their schedule, and says Friday the 20th should be great because she'll be at maximum ovulation. <laughs> Ovulation. Ovulation. (laughs) College educated this one. Shut up. I want to mention, you know how you knew for a fact they were married now? How? Because there was an ironing board out. Yeah. That means marriage. If there's an ironing board existing, then they're married. Now, he was the one doing the ironing while she was on an exercise bike. Which is also 80s 80s AF is to be on a a friggin' exercise bike. So Gavin tells Jess he's going out with Danny and David. Jess reacts upset that Gavin doesn't communicate anymore, and he comments he hasn't been out since their honeymoon and goes off on Jess, stating that she didn't used to be like this. So Jess fires back. He used to come home at 5, and now it's 8. Gavin fires back. That's because of her father, has him working. She fires back. He used to be romantic, and now he never kisses her unless he wants sex. Gavin fires back. He used to get homemade fettuccine, and now it's lean cuisine in the microwave. (laughs) which i can't believe lean cuisine's that old no shit though like i was like whoa lean cuisine (laughs) and then you were like i kind of want one now (laughs) i do have a couple favorites but we're not going into that is one of them the linguini alfredo maybe or the fettuccine alfredo rather yeah i do like the fettuccine alfredo (laughs) i haven't had it in like three years but i do like it i think you've had it sooner than that it's possible i could have forgotten so there's some in your mustache right now yeah you don't see anything So Gavin comments, uh, or Jess comments that she does, or uh, that Jess doesn't dress sexy anymore, and it's always sweatpants. Jess gets pissed and tells him to leave oh, yeah. and get out. So Gavin leaves to meet his friends back at the ball and chain. Oh <laughs> yeah, because why wouldn't we want to go back to the ball and chain, oh, baby? Buddy. So inside the ball and chain, Gavin is hearing about his buddy's escapades with the ladies, and Gavin comments he misses those days, and they say they miss him too. They ask him how uh, how the tight uh, wedding ring is going on his finger as yeah, he's trying he, to maneuver well, it. He off. mentions you know, is that wedding ring starting to feel pretty tight yeah and red catches sight of this as red is in the bar now wait comes into frame and offers to help gavin with the ring taking out a pen knife to remove it and then she tells him she that he owes her a drink wait red 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 fred (laughs) ready don't sleep with him it's double (laughs) dangerous because sleeping and then also std risk like (laughs) Don't, like, I'm just saying. So, uh, when he gets the wedding ring off, he asks her that, or he asks, or tells her that he noticed her at the wedding, and she comments she lives close to the church and crashes wedding all the time because crying at them is great therapy. Yeah, it's better than therapy to cry at these weddings. She tells uh, him her name is Red, and that's the only name she has. And that they've got chemistry. Gavin then comments that just because the ring's in his pocket doesn't mean that he's still not married. Red comments he's clearly unhappy and offers to help him and uh, or offers to help him by coming back to her place and they can talk about it. And then he says, well, I don't know about that. And then she says, ah, I'm stuck in the dryer. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. Red and Gavin enter her apartment, which is painted red wall to wall, and he spots an isolation tank in the middle of the room and begins to have second thoughts. Uh, Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Red assures him it's okay, and the isolation tank is great for relaxing. She then invites him to come clean about the issues with his wife, stating if he gets it off his chest now, they'll have so much fun later. 
She pushes herself <laughs> onto him, and Gavin reiterates that he loves her. Uh, he loves his wife. Red asks, "Why is she here with him then?" And comments that she loves Frederick Nietzsche and finds him better than Stephen King, stating that Beyond Good and Evil is one of her favorite works. And I, I want to say that, ironically enough, I consider a woman talking about Nietzsche to be a red flag. <laughs> Red uh, then tells Gavin if he really wanted to save his marriage, he wouldn't be in her apartment and begins to throw him around, calls him the typical husband, commenting how he wants to quit when the going gets tough. Gavin tries to leave, but the door is locked. He goes to a window and pulls up the blinds to find they're all bricked up. Red then takes out the penknife again, dips it into some like uh, bubbling liquid, telling him not to worry because she's already hired someone to kill Jess. And I got to say, I mean, she'll sleep with you and have your wife killed. I mean, this is one stop (laughs) shopping. Like I saw this and I was like, whoa, this must be the way my grandparents felt when they first saw Sears. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin runs. I broke you. Kevin runs to the other side of the room, revealing a room with chains and axes on the wall before Red stabs him with the penknife, telling him, you're going to adore being my slave. No commitment, no intimacy, and no love before Kevin collapses. And then we then cut back to the ceremony as that was all a daymare again. It was him imagining. Yes. The, 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 what could happen? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So Gavin still stares at Red, who is sitting in, in the first pew and uh, does so while kissing Jess and saying, I do. While kissing Jess, Red stares back at Gavin. You forgot the greatest part of the scene. Oh, what's that? Is that the priest is like, hello? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he says, feel free to kiss the bride. The the priest, (laughs) who is shockingly not Bob Shea, the priest says, feel free to kiss the bride. And I was shocked he didn't add for all I care. Oh, my gosh. So the A story ends as a bouquet is thrown and caught by Freddie. Oh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Who states, if you thought romance was dead, now you know who to blame. And he then begins to pluck the flowers from the bouquet saying, um, she loves me. She, she loves, loves me not. not. She loves me. She, she loves, loves me, me not. And then the bouquet suddenly oh, bursts into flames. He says she loves me hot. Oh, hot. When it burns into fire. Oh my god, I missed that. Yeah, he says, well, the closed caption said not, but I yeah. watched his mouth and he says hot. hot. Oh my god. She loves me hot. And yeah, and then the bouquet just bursts, bursts into, into a giant fireball. And he's just holding it like, whoa. Which makes sense because that's just how flowers work. So yeah, shut exactly. up. Like, that's dream, well, it's, dream he, flowers. He must know? have got those from the same place he got his exploding stationery from episode one. Bitch. Bitch. I think you're right. And now. The B story. But before we get there, I need to mention something. <laughs> So, on Freddy's Nightmares, you know, they had commercials. This aired on television. Yes. And every time oh my God. this episode, every time they went to commercial, they went to Freddy scratching in the... Yeah. And then it would play the Freddy's Nightmares sound. Yep. Every time. Every time. And it just made, like, by the third time it played, I felt like I was going insane. <laughs> Like, I was like, this is so, this is so ridiculous. I'm worried, not worried, excited that we may be entering that part of the series that we've been warned about where it gets just completely berserk. Oh yeah. I think we're getting there. But now (laughs) it's time for the B story. Yes. The B story. And And for those who don't know. Exactly. (laughs) uh, On Freddy's Nightmares, they had an A story and a B story. But what makes Freddy's Nightmares very different from every other show and movie is the A story and B story are not directly intertwined. They are cut down the middle. So the first half of the show is the A story. Second half is the B story. This was because in some areas they aired only the first half and in some areas they aired 
the full 44 minutes because they wanted all of that sweet, sweet advertising revenue. <laughs> so often the B story has one of the characters. This one is a little bit more cohesive, yeah. Yeah, cohesive than that first one. Although this is though calling this episode cohesive in general is a little crazy of a stretch. So, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to the B story. So, the B story begins as Gavin and Jess have landed back home from their honeymoon Yeah, at the massive spring, Springwood, Springwood airport, airport, which we get like a, a 10 second of the plane landing and like five seconds of the people walking through the airport. And then we're not even in the airport. We're in their apartment. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, who has time for all that time at Springwood airport. So he carries uh, Jess across the threshold, welcoming her home. But before they can get settled, the phone rings. As Jess' mood immediately changes, the call is from her father, summoning them over for dinner tonight. Jess freaks out, saying that her dad has to have power over her and that she's married now. This shouldn't be a thing. They shouldn't have to deal with that. Gavin tries to soothe her over, and Jess gets angered because she's like, why are you always taking his well, side? And more importantly than all that, Gavin matches the couch. <laughs> he does. He absolutely matches the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thought I had while he was sitting there listening to her, I was like, homie, you match the couch. <laughs> We can't see you. <laughs> yeah, you're you're John Cena in this bitch. So he tries to soothe it over. She is not having any part of it, and she leaves rushing over to her father's house. Jess enters her father's house asking what the dinner is about. Her dad tells her that she'll find out tonight. Jess asks if it's a health issue. He assures her he's fine. She asks about him and her mother. He says that she'll find out later, but don't go spending your inheritance is you're what he comments. underselling. You're like, she asks him. Oh, yeah, she no, demands. This is... <laughs> This is the beginning of this character being completely and utterly unhinged. Yeah, no, entirely. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, she's I mean, she like she's going like over a bit on this scene for sure. Oh, she's like completely <laughs> over the top. So he says that she'll find out later and comments um, that before before he leaves that she should stop being so obsessed with her parents. Jessica is then seen wandering through a bar called the Carving Knife. Well, you know. Dave, when a name works, it works. It works. What do you want? You know? <laughs> I love that it was just like a sign in the bar. <laughs> yeah, and, and the the location they were using, the set, whatever they were using, yeah. had black walls. Yeah. So it's just floating in a friggin' abyss. Yeah. It looks like a restroom sign almost. Yeah. Well, because of the black walls and the lower quality video transfers and everything, there's just no detail. No. So they're just in a giant black void that yeah. had the other side has tables and booze. So the carving knife is is, uh, is where they are. Jess is wandering around and she, uh, fall, her eyes fall onto a gentleman who embraces her. We then cut to a motel as the gentleman, played by Gary Wood, known for Savage Harbor, he had done uh, the Dark Justice film, Martial Outlaw, like a lot of his titles Ooh. sounded fun too. Uh, he is undressing as Jessica sits on the bed. He comments how she doesn't talk much as Jess retrieves a coil of rope from her purse. The man then comments while laughing, now I get it, you like to play games. Hey, you know, uh, bondage, this can't go wrong at all. <laughs> this sounds like a perfectly good uh, time. He then is uh, tied to the bed as Jess gets uh, back up and is dressing and commenting that uh, she bets he's married and asks how many kids he has. One, two, three. three. The man lays back and watches her then pull um, out a camera and takes a, a picture. Polaroid. A Polaroid camera. Takes a picture of him bound to the bed. She then gets his wallet and he starts asking, what, is this about money? Like he's trying to find out what's going on. She then tells him she wants his home number. Which she then makes a call to his wife as he's struggling on the bed and tells her that your husband is cheating on you and gives the address on where to find him. And look, I want to say, I mean, this woman, she's ruining a good thing, you know. Uh, lots of businessmen, they love coming to Springwood for discreet affairs and or to die in their sleep. Facts. 
so the gentleman tells Jessica she's dead, bitch, and Jessica returns home visually distraught at what uh, she has done, but then reveals a photo album that she takes out with various pictures of men in the same exact array that yeah. he was in. She's like Dexter Morgan, except sad. Yeah. <laughs> Considering how the last season of Dexter ended, that comment's even sadder. <laughs> yeah, if you ever watched Dexter the New Blood, that's oh. a good one to start this holiday oh, season. Blood. <laughs> Welcome to Prime Time. We'll be right back. <laughs> We're back now, bitch. So she pulls out the photo album, puts his picture in it, and uh, then she takes some pills to calm herself down before moving to the couch where she begins to dream. We then cut to a large jack-in-the-box uh, in Freddy's and domain. not the fast food restaurant, but no, the toy. The toy, which has familiar slashes across the front of it, mind you. Mm. The handle then begins to spin with the song of Pop Goes the Weasel. Freddy emerges stating, Pop! Goes the weasel. That's now the kind a, of song that'll really, really carve, carve a place in your heart. heart before sinking back down to the box and shutting it. And what? And then we're treated to that every commercial break. Every commercial break. Which did you like look at how they were like doing like the slow motion speed and like how his audio and stuff was like all messed up? Oh, yeah. Because he tried to go. Yeah. Goes the weasel. But and it didn't work. Every time they did that, like it was just like I, I looked at his mouth because the slow motion just made it like look like the video was fucking up. I mean, in a way it was. In a way it was. So. <laughs> <laughs> we then see a young Jessica laying in her childhood bed, and she is dreaming, but she's awakened in the bed and asks if her mommy is home, but uh, we see that her dad is embracing a woman in the hall who's not her mom. Uh, and meanwhile, Freddie's just glad to have a little kid back in the show. <laughs> they go into the room and shut the door till Jessica then opens the door asking... Who is that woman and where's mommy? Her father calls her a bad girl and states he's getting the paddle. We are then treated to a slow motion chase scene as young Jess runs from her father with a large paddle in his hand down the stairs. Jessica is now running down a long tunnel lit in purple light as her dad comments that he won't spank her and that mommy isn't here. She gets to the end of the tunnel, hides in a closet... <laughs> And uh, it's now adult Jessica. Her dad opens the door. She tells him that she's afraid of the paddle. And her dad tells her that he can, if she can keep a secret, he'll put it away. Jesus. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> he then tells her that if she tells her mom, they'll get divorced. And that starts, my God. And, and hold. My now, God. Now hold your horses there, <laughs> D Double D. So... <laughs> First of all, I loved the the tunnel they were running through. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Yeah, I could definitely like, see that. a lot. But it's like, oh my God, you're, so your dad cheated. Stop being a big baby and just become an artist like the rest of us. <laughs> Christ. He was drinking when I made that joke, and can't, that's the way I like it. Can't do that. <laughs> and... And I cannot overstate how zany it, zany is the word. This zany. episode's becoming oh, extremely yeah. zany, especially as the Fred in the box keeps playing. Oh my every God, every break. break. So we are then treated to her dad explaining what divorce means. And oh my God, is this magical? So he says divorce starts with getting into a big fight, which was so unfair because they're, they're sitting at a dinner table, shooting guns at each other nonstop. <laughs> but dad has an Uzi and mom only has a real gun. <laughs> 
So they're literally sitting at the dinner table shooting guns at each other. So that's the fight. He then continues <laughs> saying that they stopped talking to each other. So we then cut back to the couple who are at their dinner table gagged and silent, trying to avoid eye contact while they eat. <laughs> yes. Quiet is loud as dinner, mind you. Oh, oh very, very loud, quiet dinner. <laughs> so we then uh, get the uh, conclusion of it where he states that... Um, uh, mommy or daddy will move to another house. Her dad then kisses the woman from before in the dream. And then Jess asks, well, what happens to her? And her dad comments, well, they'll have to share her half and half. We are then treated to a scene of the mother and father with a large um, dinner plate. Uh, what, what's what serving, serving plate? plate? Serving plate. Yeah. Uh, covered. <laughs> and her dad raises up a carving knife and they lift up the, the lid to reveal that Jess is on the platter and they're getting ready to split her in half. And I got to say, in all sincerity, I'm a product of divorce. And I can tell you, this is exactly how it goes That's down. exactly how it goes. The worst part for me was definitely getting cut in getting half. Getting cut in half. I hated it. You're doing really well in that chair. I mean, your Thank legs you. have wandered away. I don't know if you realize that oh, or not. Oh, hell, not again. I know. Yeah. We'll get them after the show. Uh, I got my lasso somewhere. So Jessica suddenly wakes up from the couch, uh, stating that she had the dream again, to which Gavin comments that she always does when she fights with her parents. Gavin tells her it's time to get dressed, otherwise they're going to be late for dinner. Jess tells him that she doesn't want to go, She has a good. she doesn't have a good feeling, and Maybe they shouldn't. Gavin then tells her she needs to let it go and stop letting her parents influence her. She begs him to hear her out, but then we cut to the house and they are there for dinner. And we see the bloodiest oh my God. roast beef because they make a reference that she, the daughter, yeah. likes rare roast beef. Yes. The roast beef is not is so bloody, but my favorite thing is as it shows them all at the table. Yeah. Did you notice that the sound of blood dripping off the roast beef plays the plays entire, the entire the time? Yeah. 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 So there's just a drip. And it's so bloody, like it, it, like it is literally just a plate of blood with the roast sitting there, <laughs> and then a splash of blood right on the middle of the roast. Yep, yeah, yeah. So he comments that they're just in time as Jessica looks in horror at the roast. We cut back to the dinner table as Gavin comments he's so full he could die, and Jessica is shown not having touched her meal at all. Her mother offers dessert, but then Mr. Jordan says maybe they should tell her now, stating that they didn't want to say anything until after the honeymoon. And that's when he drops the bomb that they're getting a divorce. Oh, and all I could think is why not just have this go down the Mrs. Doubtfire fire path, you know? <laughs> oh my like, God. It's easy enough. Easy enough. Yeah, yeah. So Jessica obviously freaks out and tells her father that she won't let him get away with this and that she kept her secret, so he needs to take it back, begs him to take it back repeatedly and tells uh, and basically begs him. Jessica then spills to her mother that she caught her father with another woman, to which the mother states she always knew about the other women, which shocks her father. Jessica then runs out of the house, screaming down the street to her car with Gavin. <laughs> and I... He, David is not overselling that. <laughs> like she's screaming like a maniac. It was like I was waiting for the arms wailing above her head as she I, ran. I, my memory says that's what happened. I'm I sure it like wasn't. It might but, have. I don't know. I want to mention. I love that when she says, "Like I never mentioned the other woman." Yeah. The dad looks at her all angry. Yeah. And all I could think was like, "Oh, what? what are you gonna get double divorce? <laughs> like." You're already getting double divorced. Double secret so, probation divorce. Double secret probation divorce. So, so she's ran like a maniac, gotten in the car with her husband. Yeah. And I have to say, I may say this a lot, but I'm not just throwing this around. Yeah. Cuckoo Bananes. Yeah. Cuckoo Bananes is this lady 
A thousand percent. A hundred percent. Oh my God. So they're in the car and suddenly Gavin is knocked out from the butt of a gun who rises from the backseat, revealing the gentleman that Jess had tied to the bed at the motel. Her, her uh, Dexter-like yes. conquest. And I got to say, you know, as he was giving his little monologue yeah. uh, after she wakes up in the hotel room. Yeah, she tied to the bed. I kept staring at the guy and I was like, you know, this guy is so close to Geraldo Rivera, but he just doesn't quite make it. Maybe one day, pal. <laughs> one one day. day. So the gentleman comments on her ability to keep a secret, but she made a big mistake by exposing him. He states that since her folks are getting a divorce, they'll want their little girl in two as he turns around approaching the bed, sinisterly showing a carving knife, which we didn't mention at all yet. Why does the carving knife sound like a chainsaw? Uh, I, I mean... I know we like to laugh at the show, but I think that's just strictly nightmare. Thing. Yeah, I it's think so. It's, it's, it's gotta be scary and weird. So he uh, approaches the bed and she just starts screaming. We then cut to a mental institution where Jess is being observed by Gavin and her doctor. And Gavin states that every time he sees her, she begins to scream and he can't figure out why. When we cut to Jess, who then sees Gavin suddenly change back to the gentleman. <laughs> and I want to say I was right. <laughs> Cuckoo bananas. Cuckoo bananas. <laughs> so, Gavin, before her eyes turns back into the gentleman, telling her, take it easy, take it easy, just screams in horror as she's now been driven insane by the trauma of keeping the secret. And our episode ends as we cut to Freddy. <laughs> Fuck this scene. Oh my god. Yeah, Freddy's going SM, folks. He's <laughs> chained to a bed. He's chained to a bed. Writhing in the chains, and he says, The ties that bind, chains of love, love unbreakable. unbreakable indestructible tasty too and then he just bites through one of the chains bites through one of the chains chews on it laughs and uh that is the brian war red and honestly (laughs) it was pretty impressive yeah so i (laughs) this episode is is cuckoo bananas yeah it's like i I, when i was texting you last night when i had finished it and i think you said you were halfway through i was i was worried that this one wasn't necessarily going to create a problem but it was more so going to be like we're going to go off so many tracks on this episode (laughs) well there's a lot going on but it's really just a story of madness very poe like definitely (laughs) yeah very oh my god so uh one real quick show note that i wanted to uh, comment on this episode features gary s scott who um i may have said this previously but i don't recall Paul doing so. He was the composer for this episode specifically on IMDb. I wanted to list his uh, credits because pretty impressive because 81, he does Final Exam. He is the composer for Final Exam, the slasher film. Okay. 83, Deadly Force, the Wingshauser action movie. All right. 84, Roadhouse 66, the Judge Reinhold uh, comedy drama with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> okay. 1995. Three Ninjas, Knuckle Up. Well, the best of the Three Ninjas movies. He also did 41 episodes of Fame, the TV show. So this guy had a resume that I could not pass up. (laughs) No, that was worth bringing up. Yeah. Wow. So uh, final thoughts in regards to Freddy's interaction in this episode. Well, Freddy is in this the least amount possible, but I would call it a quality over quantity. Hundred percent. He's this. This is going to bring, I think, some talking points back for more episodes because I, I don't know if anything's going to beat DJ Freddy. Right I now. I don't know that anything could beat DJ Freddy if we wanted to. Oh shit! Well, speak of the well, devil's almost too on the nose. No, it's, right? too, it's too kind. Hey, bitch. Hey, Freddy. Hey, Fred. It's good to good to see. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see me, right? Ha 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 ha. So, you watched the episode where I showed my skills that pay the bills? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we did, Freddy. So, uh, 
You want to hear me freestyle? I do. It, uh, I don't care yep. if you want to hear me freestyle. Oh, God. All right, Fred. Do Here we what, go. Do what you got to do. <clears throat> now, these are right off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. Like my hat. Ha! Here, you can wear it. I have I have scabies. Oh, oh it's wet. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Oh, my God. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my peers, putting suckers in fear. That's that's not yours. Oh, yeah, it is. I just made it up. No, that's, that is LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. Yeah, that's definitely Mama Said Knock You Out. How about your mama? <laughs> what? what? Okay, okay, okay. I'll try another one. All right. <clears throat> Somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I ain't the smartest tool in the shed. That's not even a freestyle. Yeah, that's not even hip hop. That's, that's Smash Mouth. That's a hundred percent Smash Mouth. Oh, oh. I mean. Uh, I love the 90s. <laughs> All right, you get a pass for that one. What yeah, else you okay. got? Do you have anything else for us, Fred? Because we are at the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your valuable time is being taken up. Okay. <clears throat> you see, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say I'll wrap you up and take you away. And if you don't like your time, if you feel like you're tired and ready for bed, don't fall asleep. Or you'll wake up dead. Uh, I, so that is hip hop, and it, you did that. Did write that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's from the Fat Boys. Yeah, the Fat Freddy, Boys. Freddy are you song. ready for Freddie? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's it, not original. No, but it's fucking sick. Um, he's got us there. No, you're not wrong. I mean, have you fucking seen Crush Groove? My boys, the Fat Boys. That's I, what's up. I do love the Fat Boys. I do too. So anything else, Freddie? Um. <laughs> the listeners can't see it but he just mooned us yeah he did and then he did that thing where he like walks backwards and he thinks he's moonwalking yeah. but he's definitely not that's i I'm, I'm scarred unlike him <laughs> yeah really so let's uh let's rate this and then we actually have a listener email oh i'm excited all Our right first one to read on the show i am gonna give this a c yeah, just a just a flat C. I think I think it's it's not a bad episode, but like we were we talked about this a couple weeks ago um, in regards to like um, Mother's Day and um, uh, Rebel Without a Car. Those are episodes I would show somebody to get into the show. I don't know if I would necessarily roll this one out for getting somebody's <laughs> interest into it. <laughs> yeah, this episode lose it, it loses its steam a bit and just kind of leans on just her being crazy i wanted more with red i'll be perfectly honest yeah i was curious about red but yeah. I, it had some legitimately funny moments no it did yeah and some silly moments i'm gonna give it a c as well yeah i think that's a good one so david are you ready for some mail i'm excited let's so, hear this we i've been meaning to read this on the show for a while but we do batch these pretty close so the first <laughs> email uh is from danny rudy you know danny rudy mm-hmm yeah, uh, Danny Rudy said, I always thought this show was a fever dream. I remember watching some episodes on Chiller. You both give out, you both give out the behind the scenes and fun facts that I geek out with, uh, geek out over all the time. I'll be watching it with you guys. Keep slashing Danny. That's awesome. Well, we're glad we can encourage you to watch Freddy's yeah. Nightmares. No, that's this something. Is a, this is a weird legacy to leave. Yeah, but I'm all for it. <laughs> 
So that one was from somebody we both know yeah. somewhat. So here's one from someone we don't know. Ooh. Uh, this is from Mike Dodd. Okay. Or I'm sorry, Mike. Sorry, that's uh, it's Mike Askew. Mike Askew. And uh, he said, uh, hey, guys, my name is Mike, and I've been listening since I first found out about you on Reddit from the Nightmare subreddit. Awesome. I have been known to share the show yes, on Reddit, trying to help people who would be into Freddy join. Exactly. Uh, join in the fun. So uh, he said, I really love the banter between you two and the bitch button. <laughs> well, here's some for you. Bitch, 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 bitch. Better than Freddy's freestyle. Bitch. <laughs> the great trivia is a lot of fun and encouraging to check out more of the stuff from guest stars, etc. I also love the store because it has stuff in larger sizes and a slick variety. Hell yeah. Which, by the way, you can find at freddysnightmares.com. You can get your own beefy boy sweatshirt yes, or t shirt. It's getting cold out and Christmas is coming. <laughs> uh, thanks again for helping me rediscover this show, Mike. That's awesome. Thank you, Mike. That's Thank really cool. Thank you so much. And I want to mention he's a host and producer on This Week in Geek. Oh, which awesome. Which is a pretty cool podcast. Yeah. So if you want to check out This Week in Geek, please do. Thank you, Mike. We have another email, but I don't want to read it on the air yet. I want to have a chat with him. We we actually got an email from somebody who wrote an episode of Freddy's yes, Nightmares. Did. And I don't want to just read it until I can try to convince this guy yeah. to be our guest. And I would also like to add a uh, shout out and thank you to Mick Garris, who actually <laughs> shared our podcast. <laughs> Bizarre uh, <laughs> on his Facebook page. Um, that was really cool. <laughs> yes, I mean, granted, all he said was memories. Memories, but, he but that was the enough to the show. That was so, so cool. We do appreciate it, Mick. Your horror royalty, so so cool. And yeah, we've been having a great time doing this show. Yeah. We're happy you guys are here. If you're listening to this, because otherwise you wouldn't hear me asking. <laughs> Consider leaving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. It really does Please. help the show yeah, and awesome. share it with another Fred head. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't spend a lot of time proselytizing that you should do things to help the show. <laughs> so help us with that because we're intending to take the show a little further than you might expect. Yeah. We're going to be talking to guests and, and things like that. And also reviewing other Freddy media along the way. I'm right. But for now, David, what do we have next week? Oh, next week, uh, I didn't look it up. <laughs> this fucking bitch. Oh, my God, David. Are you kidding me? I forgot to write that down. I apologize. <laughs> Season one, episode 11. We don't know what it is because Dave had one job. My apologies. Oh, my God. I'm I'm very disappointed. I knew I forgot to write down one thing. It was the one thing I forgot. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is why we can't have nice things. My apologies. So, but we really want to thank you for listening to uh, Welcome to Primetime. And uh, if you want to send us an email like the folks we read earlier, you can send us one at freddysnightmarespod at gmail.com or check the show notes where we'll have a link to the episode we just talked about and more. So we'll see you guys yes. next time. When we head back to Springwood, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm my, never going to let Dave my live apologies, this down. but we will be back, and it will be a new episode, and we'll have the name for it. Oh, will we? <laughs> Watch us not have it next week. It just erases from this history. Is, it, just, it just evaporates like Marty McFly in the photograph. 